It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Hey Pete, uh, so our in our last episode we had you in for, we uh, were talking about uh, the internal audit submission. And um, so today I just wanted to welcome you back to uh, our IHSA core podcast here and um, want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the common problems that we see with the core audit submissions. Sure, sure. Glad to be back, Stacey. Glad to help all of us. <laughs> Another good topic here today. So, um, yeah, we uh, just want to touch on um, some of the common common problems, and you know, maybe getting a little bit of help with core um, if you know an internal auditor is struggling and and needs just a little bit more assistance. So, um, would in your experience, just want to talk about um, any you know, are there any reoccurring themes among submissions of the internal audits? So when our auditing team has conversations about these things, we kind of break everything, break these um, struggles down into two categories, right? There's submission errors and there's program errors. Mm-hmm. Um, submission errors are, well, we, we've got a very rigid set of rules about submitting, uh, submitting internal audits with regards to evidence, filling out auditor's notes, scoring, uh, the, the documentation that has to be provided to us. So those all have to do with the actual submission itself. And then we get to the, the program issues. So the program is the, the, the organization's uh, health and safety management system, their, their program, their health and safety manual. Mm-hmm. Um, does it meet the requirements, right? And that's where we provide the true value is when we talk about the program. But we, we've we got to get past those submission errors uh, to, to be able to get to discuss that program with the organization. Right. So, so I think we should focus on those uh, submission errors first, get through those, and then maybe we can touch on some of those uh, program issues. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Um, so last time when we had our um, our last uh, meeting here, we talked about um, the audit process, right? There being three phases in the audit. Um, so I'm just going to, again, do the same kind of format today, and uh, we'll touch on each phase, um, and then what are some of the common submission errors that we see um, and maybe if you can just, you know, talk about those common errors and provide us with a, you know, maybe solution or just a bit of feedback on, on each of those. Sure. Sure. Gladly. All right. So we'll jump back in the phase one, preparing for the audit. Yeah, absolutely. I think a great spot to start here is the, uh, interview ratios. Mm-hmm. So again, we got those three verification methods for core documentation, interviews, and observations. Um, when we're looking at the interviews, we've got some specific ratios, uh, and these are in the core audit instructions. And depending on the the number of people that actually work for the organization that are on the payroll for them, uh, this determines a ratio for how many interviews will have to be conducted. And they're split up between manager uh, manager and supervisor interviews and worker interviews, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's two streams of questions, ones that are intended and relevant for the workers and ones that are intended for the, the management. Um, so, so some of the challenges that we find there is um, organizations will submit their internal audit and they haven't done sufficient interviews, right? They haven't done sufficient management interviews or they haven't done sufficient worker interviews. Um, it, it, this is something where the, the, the audit is going to be sent back because we, we've got to make sure that we're hitting those bare, bare minimum ratios, right? Um so as an example, if your firm has one to 10 employees, then you should be interviewing a total of uh, seven people. So this would consist of two management and five workers. Uh, another example of the ratio is if your firm has over 200 employees, then you should be interviewing 30 employees. 
Uh, and this would be six management individuals and then 24 workers as well. And and you said that um, people can find this uh, chart, like the interview ratio table, they can find that in the core audit instructions, right? So that they can determine what, like where their organization falls. Uh, absolutely, right? So, you know, some organizations uh, fluctuate from year to year in the, the number of employees that they have, and they, they're going to have to refer back to that. There's always a, a resource to go back to to verify these things. And mm-hmm. like you said, core audit instructions is where you're going to find this. Okay. And what if an organization, fi- uh, you know, kind of uh, looks at this uh, ratio table and they say, you know, we don't really fall into any of these categories specifically. Uh, maybe they fall into the, um, you know, total number of employees in the in the organization, but uh, maybe they don't have enough uh, managers or they don't have enough um, employees to make up the, the correct amount of numbers. Yeah, no, good point. The So that ratio table probably works nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. But 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 there is that 10% of the time where, where it doesn't necessarily fit. And it's not a barrier to the audit. It's just something that needs an IHSA approval. So right. this is something for those organizations, if they're looking at that table that they don't, uh, doesn't necessarily fit their organization, just reach out to us at core at IHSA.ca and you'll be in, put in touch with one of the core lead auditors and uh, they'll work with you to come up with the proper interview ratio that's going to be representative of your organization. Right. Okay. And yeah, sometimes, you know, when I receive an internal uh, an audit submission, then I will... You know, I'll see a, an approval email from someone like yourself, a lead auditor, saying that you've approved those ratios. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna leave them with some information so they can uh, validate that they get, did get that approval. Perfect. Right? Okay. And um, so let's hop into uh, observations then. Yeah, it's a very similar premise with the observations. Is uh, we we have an observation ratio table, mm-hmm. and the idea here is. Um, You've got uh, an organization might have multiple work locations. There could be multiple offices, multiple uh, construction projects, uh, warehouses, whatever it might be. Um, we kind of lump all these under just work locations. And depending on the number of them that they have, there's a certain amount that they have to visit, right? And we're looking for a sampling, right? We're, they don't have to visit every work site, but they have to visit enough so it's representative of the organization. So. Head office, shop, those are things that are always included in every audit scope, right? Yeah. There, there's no, we, we can't get away from that. Um, but the rest of it, with the, the number of projects they might have, uh, that's where we start to apply the ratio. Mm-hmm. And so if a company has uh, three pro, three active projects, this is something where two of them have to be visited. Right. If they've got eight active projects, three of them have to be visited, right? So it's, a, it's scalable. Um, keeping in mind, though, that these are a minimum. Depending on the organization, they might have a lot of variation in the type of work that they perform. And one of our key principles is to make sure that we always see representative work of that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, example I always use here is uh, roofing organizations. Some roofers uh, just might do new roofs and re-roofs. Some might have a service department. Some might have uh, get into waterproofing. Some of them might get into green roofs. Uh, some of them might get into glazing. These are things that you might have to add more projects than with that bare minimum of the ratio just to make sure you're seeing that representative work. Right, that makes sense, okay. And th- there are some larger organizations as well that have over 30 active projects. And in that case, that's something where they we want them to reach out to IHSA and uh, again, do this through core at ihsa.ca. Mm-hmm. And you'll be even put in touch with a lead auditor and they'll work with you to come up with that um, 
site site observation ratio that's going to be applicable and uh, for the organization for that audit and make sure that the representative work is captured there. Okay, excellent, excellent advice. Um, so that uh, we can move into phase two now. Um, common errors when um, performing the audit. Sure. Um, so I got, I've got a few points here that, that just some regular things that keep uh, that we uh, us as I have to say auditors notice uh, on a fairly regular basis. Um, first off, let's start with scoring errors. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, again. Core is a prescriptive audit, very rigid in the kind of the rules and uh, how to fill things out. Uh, we got a specific scoring criteria and the bulk of the questions are all or nothing questions, Yeah. right? And, and we do find from time to time that uh, for an all or nothing question where the scores are gonna be either zero or three, mm -hmm. company might feel, okay, we're doing part of this and we wanna give ourselves some credit and they'll give themselves a, a two or one and a half. Mm -hmm. And it just it just doesn't fall in scoring criteria. So yeah, sadly enough, uh, our auditors will take that and you know we've got to follow the rules ourselves and that's something we're going to uh, adjust that score to a zero mm -hmm. because it hasn't met the scoring criteria. Yeah. Um, so, so making sure that you're following that scoring criteria to a T. Um, other things we see is this uh, incorrect or unsuitable documentation. So this is the... Prescriptive audit, we've got very specific questions and there's specific types of evidence that are going to be uh, suitable to validate those audit questions. Mm -hmm. uh, handbook, the core audit handbook is a great resource to walk you through this because it gives you those tips on what type of evidence to su uh, submit for each one of the audit questions. But quite often there's a, there's a documentation that's just not suitable for, for what we're looking at, right? And one of the common ones it was uh, hazard assessments, right? Where uh, organizations were submitting inspection reports as their hazard assessment. And it just two opposed ideas there, right? Hazard assessment is a planning tool and a planning process where uh, inspections are validating the performance of your day-to-day -day work. Right. Um, another common issue is missing or inadequate evidence. Um, uh, again, we, we've got a requirement for three samples of documented evidence for each audit question that's validated by documentation. Um, you know, it, it, time and time again, we get companies that'll submit one sample of evidence or two samples of evidence. And it's just, you know, we, we do need those three to be able to validate that there's uh, these recurring items, these recurring health and safety items in the organization are happening, right? And they're meeting the frequency that they're supposed to. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, the, the issues here is, you know, as an internal auditor, it's um, often hard to determine whether it was just a submission error that, um, you know, you're supposed to be submitting three samples and they only submitted one. Um, so it's hard to know if it was a, a submission error or if the company just doesn't have that evidence, right? And that is um, the point of doing the internal uh, audit is to prove that the company does have the certain evidence that they have implemented their um, health and safety management system. So, you know, we can only take it one way. Like if the, if the evidence isn't submitted, then we have to unfortunately uh, just assume that it's not it's not there, right? At all, at all, it doesn't exist. So that's why we have to give the zero, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the, the submission is all about, um, you know, providing that that evidence and um, proving that you are doing and implementing what you what you say you're doing. Uh, absolutely, yeah, great great way to put it. It's, it's not, um, 
our auditors don't enjoy doing that, right? We, we no. want to, we do want to see <laughs> no. everyone successful with this. Yeah. But we got to hit that bare minimum criteria to get there, right? Yeah. So it's the, it's making sure that those rules are followed and we are receiving those three samples of evidence. Yeah. And I, and you know, in my feedback, my audit results calls, um, I often explain that to, you know, to auditors and, um, just say, you know, unfortunately, if there was a lot of submission errors, then it's going to impact their score, right? So if it comes down to the fact that not enough evidence was supplied and they have to do, you know, if they have to resubmit their their um, audit, then we have that conversation, you know, is it a submission error mm -hmm. or was it a problem with the program, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Next thing that, that, that we do find quite often is um, missing or inadequate auditor notes, mm -hmm. right? So, so this is a pinpoint exercise, if you're considering it this way, when you're submitting your internal audit. Um, our auditors, once, once the audit meets, reaches the desk of an auditor, mm -hmm. the auditor is going to look at the audit tool, start with the auditor notes, and they're going to look at those auditor notes, and it's supposed to guide them where that uh, evidence or uh, that they're supposed to be looking at to validate that audit question. Yeah. So it's not a scattershot exercise where it's just, here's our binder, you find it, right? Yeah. Well, we, we've got a huge volume of audits coming in right now, and it's uh, that one's, It's only going to pick up over time as more mm -hmm. companies get involved in core. And so we really need to have this as a pinpoint exercise on our end. So those auditor notes are key because the expectation is we're going to look at those auditor notes and it's going to say, go to the manual page 30. Yeah. We flip to manual page 30, and then we should be able to go there and say for question 9.1, this is the statement that's going to answer that. And it should be highlighted and cross-referenced. There should be no uh, uh, second guessing, right? Yeah. And the, the next statement after that could be the one that answers the question ad um, accurately, but we're really going to keep the focus on what was cross-referenced there. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Because we don't know if it's the next sentence or it's a sentence that's uh, another 20 pages along in the manual. And we, we really don't have the capacity to be able to flip through all of that. So. Yeah. Keep that in mind, right? Something I suggest to organizations before they submit their internal audit is um, take part of it, hand it off to somebody in their organization that's not really safety focused, right? And mm. not a long exercise, half hour, hour, and have them poke through. And can they follow the auditor notes and find the adequate evidence? And if they can find it, we should be able to find it, yeah, right? For it's, sure. um, it, it's just the, it's really guiding us to what specific thing you want us to look at. Yeah. Uh, legislative requirements being scored zero, right? So this should be a non-starter. We, we really shouldn't be getting audits like this, right? Yeah. Um, legislative questions are marked with an asterisk on, uh, uh, throughout the audit tool. Um, they're high, you can't miss these things, right? And it, to be successful in the audit, you need to score 100% on all these questions, right? You need to be successful with them. Uh, so you want to make sure before you even submit this is that you, you've you adequately scored on those legislative items. And even if you're preparing for core, it's a great spot to start just to make sure you're going to be legislative compliant. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then verification techniques that are not chosen or specified. Some questions, uh, the auditor has a, a choice, right? Whether they're going to validate it with an interview versus an observation. Um, just declare that to us. You know what? In the auditor notes, say validated by observation or validated by interview. And then you can give us the rest of the feedback in the auditor notes as well. But just start with that, just so it's clear, 100% clear cut to the auditor what it is they're looking at, what kind of evidence they're going to be expecting, 
should they be hunting for pictures uh, within the audit submission for the observations or is this was this just validated by interview yeah it just makes the whole process easier well and i think one of the things that you know we struggle with um as internal auditors when we receive um an audit and the verification technique um isn't specified right which it's supposed to be it's supposed to say clearly in the auditor notes you know i'm selecting interview right um or i'm verifying by interview uh, in a question that is, um, you know, you have the choice between observation and a choice between observation and, and interview, um, and it's not specified, and you're basically we're given two we're given two answers, right? A lot of times we're given uh, the scoring for the interview, and then we're also given notes um, or photos for the observation. Um, so then we have to score we have to evaluate both of those questions or both of those answers, right? So you might've got um, 100% on the interview, um, but you might not have answered the observation question properly. So we look at both of those then, and maybe we have to take the score away because you didn't answer the observation question properly, right? Yeah, that's right. Great point, Stacey, for sure. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, I don't like to do that, but you have to <laughs> be very specific. It is an audit. Audit is very, auditing is very specific. Um, and you need to declare properly uh, what verification technique you're uh, choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good point. Okay, well, uh, we can move into uh, phase three now, uh, which is... Uh, summarizing the audit um, and talk a little bit about um, any common problems that you would see with the action plan. Uh, sure, sure. So uh, so once the audit is complete, the internal auditor will have to notice some gaps. And this is expected, right? This is audits, any audit, not just core audits, any audit is about continual improvement. So mm -hmm. it's identifying gaps and how to address those, right? Um, so once those gaps have been identified, senior management and the internal auditor should be getting together to uh, develop an action plan to address the gaps. Um, so they, again, you've got the senior management who is, they've got the ability to direct the organization, set priorities and objectives, and they can assign resources to be able to address these items. Whereas the the internal auditor is that person with the, the health and safety knowledge, and, and they're the ones who who conducted the audit, so they got that uh, deeper understanding of where the the deficiencies are. Mm -hmm. So in, two of them should work on the, on that together to develop that action plan, um, and really should focus on addressing those highest priority gaps. And a couple other things to make sure with the action plan is making sure that you've got them. Um, uh, whatever you've done to address those gaps, it has to be assigned to individuals, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just um, uh, this thing that's just going to hang out in the organization. It's got to be actually assigned to somebody. So they, they've got, um, it, it's a way to demonstrate that you've got the resources um, set aside for it and someone's going to be responsible for that. You should also have a, a target date, right? Right. As of any construction project, right? You've got dates that you're working to, those uh, completion dates, same should happen for this because, you know, I, myself, I'm terrible for this unless I give myself a date where I have to complete something, whether it's a project around the house, it just doesn't get done. Right. And so it's just, <laughs> I think that's human, that's just human nature. <laughs> you know, it's a never, never plan. We don't want this to be a never, never plan. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not run the core on it like I do everything around my house. Right. Let's <laughs> make it a priority and focus on it. Yeah. Get that uh, target date for completion. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. <clears throat> um, another thing to keep in mind is the uh, incomplete administration, 
So there's, so we have, so there's the audit tool, there's the evidence that comes with it, but then there's the, the administration piece that comes with core as well. Mm -hmm. So there, there are certain forms and documents that have to be submitted with the, uh, the audit itself. So it's, you know, they, we've got the audit submission checklist. This walks you through part of it. Uh, on our website, you'll find the e-file submission tool. And this has all the documents that you need, uh, that you need to submit with the core audit available on that spot as well. So there, there's um, triggers and ways to make sure that you're uh, meeting all the uh, administrative requirements. Right. And we talked about this on our on our on a previous episode, but um, I'll just bring it up here again is about our our pre sorry, our pre assessment, our pre assessment process at the IHSA. So um, we do have pre assessors who review all the audit submissions and they're going to be checking for things like this uh, administrative, uh, these administrative documents and and going through and making sure that um, there's all the components of the audit is completed that should be. Um, and uh, so we, we won't accept the audits to the core auditors unless we they, it makes it through the uh, pre-assessment. Absolutely. And they're looking for the forms, the documents, all those administrative pieces. And, um, you know, do yourself the favor, make sure you hit it on all those marks so you can get to the auditor and get that valuable feedback on the, the quality of the program for and sure. your, your management system. Yep. Okay. Um, one one thing that um, in terms of administ administration that I wanted to bring up is just um, like the uh, Dropbox submissions <clears throat> because it's something that um, internally we've experienced some problems with and um, we've had you know people are kind of getting away from that paper submission which is which is good um, but with the Dropbox sometimes we have problems where you know uh, companies are uploading all their documentation um, and maybe not checking to make sure that um, all the files have uploaded properly uh, so in the pre-assessment what would happen is you know the pre-assessors are going in and, and taking a, a quick look right um, they're opening up a bunch of the folders and just make sure that there's documents in there um, um, and if there's not, then they're going to be contacting the company again and saying, hey, you know, your folder for element seven and element 11 are completely empty. <laughs> you know, did you intend to do this or not? Right. So just uh, double checking and making sure that when you do upload your files and stuff into something like Dropbox, that everything that you intended to be in there is actually is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good point. Because it, if it's not there, we, we don't know whether it hasn't been implemented or just isn't available or it was a forgotten piece. Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, we, we need to see some evidence to be able to know and uh, treat it properly and be able to give credit for it uh, if it is if it is actually there or present. Yeah, and, and I did a I did an audit like that recently um, where their program was really good and um, everything that I um, marked or, or scored for their program wise was pretty good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then in terms of, you know, did they provide evidence? Um, some of their evidence, I, I think it was a, you know, they're saying it was a Dropbox error, right? So, yeah. um, that some of their inspections and things like that didn't upload or didn't transfer. So, you know, I, received it as you know i didn't receive it right like I, I that's how i marked it i didn't receive it mm -hmm. um so unfortunately they had to i had to send the audit you know well i completed the audit and then um the feedback was that hey we didn't get any of these samples right um and they're saying that it's a, a an upload error so unfortunately they have to resubmit their audit and <laughs> make sure um that all the files have uploaded properly and obviously that's just uh causing a delay 
on their timeline, right? I mean, if everything had been uploaded properly in the first place and had done that double check kind of thing, um, then they probably would have been moved on to their external audit by now. But mm -hmm. with, a, you know, an error like that, uh, which is technology, you know, but we just need to double check it. Um, but it definitely added some time to their timeline. I know that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it is unfortunate because we, we, we want to have that quality conversation about the their their actual management system mm -hmm. and not just about the the missing samples right yeah, so for sure yeah no that's uh, yeah it's really too bad when stuff like that happens Okay, well, um, we've covered a lot of the uh, submission errors. And at the beginning of the uh, episode, we kind of talked about um, sometimes that it's not submission errors. That's the issue, but it's actually the, um, you know, problems with the actual program itself. So um, you just want to take the opportunity now to see if you can expand on that a little bit and talk about, you know, if it's a, if it's a program error, what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. So the, the program errors could be right down to... Um, well, if I look at the core audit tool, let's back up for a second here. The core audit tool, we've got a set of requirements for um, what our expectations are for the content of a management system or content of your health and safety program. Um, and then you got to demonstrate to us that you're implementing that. Mm -hmm. So some of those program uh, issues could be right down to the fact that the, the procedures aren't adequate. They're not meeting the, the, the requirements, right? Or they're not meeting a legislative requirement. Right. Um, those are common ones that pop up. Like if, if I'm talking about, uh, let's say element 10, investigations and reporting, the mm -hmm. first question there speaks to uh, policies and procedures about investigations and reporting that, that meet legislative requirements. Because mm -hmm. Legislation is clear on what has to happen with these things, and your the program should be designed to meet legislation. Yeah. So those are that that's probably a common one that comes up is that the 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 content of it is good, right? There there's a lot of information there, but it might miss on some of the 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 actual legislation. And if the organization is not going to be legislative compliant, we can't move them along in core then either. Right? Yeah. So as an example, that's probably one of the one of the ones there or. Um, you know, a program where it's written in a very generic manner, mm -hmm. but then the, the implementation, the evidence that's, pro that that's provided doesn't, uh, demonstrate that it was, uh, completed in compliance with the program. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that, that's another issue as well. Right. So, um, you know, at organizations are, our, our bare minimum requirement is that you're going to be legislative compliant. Yeah. Right. And your, your program should be, uh, be able to be used as a resource by all your employees where they're pick it up, follow it, and they're going to be compliant with legislation. And that's one of the things that I find myself often um, discussing with um, internal auditors when their program isn't meeting in certain areas. And, um, you know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, if we really had a problem, then we would look it up. Well, that's not really sufficient because this manual, the health and safety manual, should be your resource for where you're looking it up, right? It should be anyone from the owner to a worker on site that should be able to pick this up and find the information that they need and find the specific legislative requirements. Like if it's a, you know, if there's a an incident or accident, what needs to be reported, that should be found in this document. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That needs to be in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and just to follow up on that point, um, you have that incident or accident. Um, legislation says it has to be reported. It tells you it has to be reported to Ministry of Labor and on from there. Mm -hmm. Your program should give you the specifics to say, this is the person or this is the the uh, person based on their title, such as superintendent or uh, yeah. safety manager or project manager. 
this is the individual that's actually going to make sure it gets reported. Yeah. Right. So it, it gives you those specific ways to, uh, it, it should be designed in such a way where it gives you those specific ways to be compliant with legislation. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, is there any, anything else that you want to touch on for the program stuff? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's the, you know what, that, that's where we want to get to. It's just a, getting to that point where we're having that conversation about uh, the, the, the program itself. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're following the, the core audit instructions and the core audit handbook and those internal audit submissions. Um, you know, get us to the point where we can have that conversation because the, the, the other submission errors really hold us back from having that. And that, that's where we bring the t- true value, right? That's mm-hmm. where we're actually... Uh, uh, working with the industry to help them improve and help you along that journey for continual improvement as right. long as we can start having that conversation about the the program itself. Okay. Um, and we've talked a little bit before about, um, you know, some resources that are available to core participants, but uh, could you remind us again, um, outside of this podcast, uh, what are the resources that the IHSA has that available um, to help out our firms and uh, that are enrolled in the core program? Can't can't mention these ones enough. The audit instructions in the core handbook, mm-hmm. um, great resources to walk you through how to submit that internal audit, the evidence requirements on from there. Uh, the required training. I know it's training's only required once, right? You just have to do that once and then you're going to be considered an internal auditor. We're not going to take that away from you. But you know what? If you're a little shaky on it, it's been a while since you've conducted an audit. Not a bad idea to consider doing a refresher there as well. Yeah, right? I agree. They're, they're available in class and online. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, a good uh, refresher there also. Uh, I think, uh, you know, especially if uh, CORE has been a long process uh, for you and your company, um, you know, typically an internal auditor will take these courses at the beginning of the journey. And, um, you know, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's three years, who knows, down the road where you're actually doing your own internal audit. So maybe, yeah, you're forgetting how to do the... um, how to complete the audit tool or forgetting, you know, key information about the hazard assessment uh, process. So it's definitely something that can be taken again. um, And like you said, refresh your memory. For sure. For sure. Uh, Another one that's a good kind of uh, refresher or something we we try to keep everybody fresh with is core conferences. Mm. We try and run two a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, break it. We, we get into very specific topics or there'll be a breakdown of elements or if there's new developments in core. Uh, the, these are all things where we use the conference as our way to kind of communicate that on a wide scale basis. Yeah. I know our last conference, we're talking about uh, core 2020. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's something that's uh, new and uh you know, going to be a very relevant topic going forward. So um, definitely could see us spending a lot of time on Core 2020 uh, going forward in these conferences. Oh, absolutely. Hey, that's a, that'd be a good topic for a podcast as well. Hey, I think you are going to be talking to me about that. Eh? <laughs> um, okay, so beyond these resources that we have, if, there's, um, if a firm is finding that they are um, struggling and need a little bit more uh, help in achieving Core, uh, or maybe core is a little bit out of the reach at the at the moment. They need some help with uh, program development or something. Um, is there any other uh, any other resources that we can suggest for them? Sure, I, I just say it does get involved in uh, consulting with organizations as well. Okay, and you know this is something we rely on our operations folks to take care of that, and that those are people who. Uh, do our general health and safety consulting with our member firms, but they also do our health and safety training. So very knowledgeable. Uh, knowledgeable health and safety professionals and they got a lot of good advice and valuable um uh they can do a lot of valuable work with any organization Mm -hmm. 
Um, we also, there's also the Health and Safety Excellence Program. So this is a WSIB program, and it, IHSA is a provider of the Health and Safety Excellence Program. And this is really an incentive-based program to, to, to build out your health and safety management system, right? So it, it gives you targets to work on on an annual basis. And, uh, you know, it, it is nice to get some incentives back from WSIB, right? It's not just a one-way street where you're paying out your premiums. You're getting something back from them as well while you're developing something that allows you to work towards core. Right. So this would be for firms that um, are, you know, in more the beginning stages and need help with that program development piece to make sure that they're compliant with all the legislative requirements and stuff. Absolutely. Like core, core is validating that you have that management system in place and it's been in place for a year. Excellence program is about building out the program to get to that point where it's going to be where you have all the elements in place and it can be audited. Right, right. Okay. Well, uh, again, thank you for another great conversation and uh, we'll just wrap up this uh, episode on uh, common problems and uh, thanks for coming in and we will definitely be seeing you again in another topic, uh, Core 2020, which is a big one. Perfect. Great. Thanks for having me, Stacey. <laughs> Look you. forward to the next one. Bye. Bye. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.